Today's episode of The Razor Show is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Patriots tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Welcome to The Razor Show with the Athletics Nick Underhill and Jeff Powell, plus three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Chatham. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Razor Show. This is the midweek Jeff and Nick edition, and we're going to start off with some Wednesday breaking news, first reported by Jim McBride of the Boston Globe. Patriots have placed kicker Steven Gostowski on injured reserve, and I think that's probably going to start to open the doors into the reason behind some of his early season struggles. Uh, Nick, what was your first thought? I mean, it's a, it's a big deal if you assumed he was going to recover and start hitting field goals at a certain point. But, you know, we were entering that critical period, I think, where they were going to probably have to make a hard decision if this kept going on. And, you know, there wasn't an underlying injury thing. Like, let's just say it was performance. It was kind of starting to get to that point where, at least for me, watching him when he went out there, I didn't have much confidence when he went out to kick you know, a field goal during a game after a touchdown. My default's usually if I have to go to the bathroom, that's when I'm getting up or going to get a drink. You had to watch when Goskowski went out there because you had no idea what was going to happen. And that's a bad way to live. Now, being on the kicker carousel where you, you know there's these groups of guys that seem to travel together city to city and you're trying to find the best one and then, you know, develop some confidence in him to roll him out there in a critical situation. That's, that's not a great way to live either, but you know, if he wasn't, if he wasn't going to be making his kicks one way or another, like something was going to have to give very soon. Yeah. I mean, four missed extra points already this season. He didn't have a good uh, summer or preseason. I mean, there are times where it's impossible to tabulate every kick that he makes or attempts, I should say, in training camp just because of the angle that we watch at but it seemed like there were and this is anecdotal more than anything but it seemed like there were a little more or a few more misses than we were accustomed to seeing during the summer so this is probably an injury that has lingered for a little bit and it was I mean it's got to be infuriating for a guy especially at kicker I mean anybody who a lot of these guys are playing through a major injury. I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head to that Patrick Chung torn rotator cuff that he finished last season with. I mean, we didn't know for basically two months that the guy was playing with the torn rotator cuff. So it was like every time he missed a tackle, which were few and far between, but a guy like that, if he misses a tackle, we're all like, oh, why did Patrick Chung miss a tackle? And he's sitting here like looking up being like, yeah, well, I'm playing because I have a detached shoulder. And, you know, a guy like Kostowski, who's even more in the microscope especially as the Patriots kicker. I mean, every time you miss, that job demands perfection. The fan base, I mean, I've been covering the team now for 11 years. The fan base rarely gets more riled up than when a kicker misses. And Gostowski has been one of the best kickers in the NFL statistically 
over the last decade and a half. But he, when he slumps, whether it's for two weeks or five weeks, or, or certainly uh, if he misses a kick in the playoffs and, and what we've seen over the last month or so, it's the guy comes under fire every. Sorry, I'm getting attacked by a rodent in my own house. Uh, every time that there is a, a miss, it's people are out for blood. And he's got to sit there and internalize that he's been dealing with an injury that we're still, because it's so early in the process, we're assuming is in the early stages. What's going to be interesting is, is let's say this isn't something that needs surgery. And now you have another guy on injured reserve that could potentially come back down the road. And let's say they, they sign a kicker and he's fine. You know, he maybe misses a couple and he gets the job done, but the confidence level isn't there. You know, you're going to kind of be looking at Goskowski over there on injured reserve. Like, hey, like, is this a guy that you would want to bring back and, and have him for the playoffs? Because, like, let's be real, like a kicker that you're signing now definitely is not one of the best 32 kickers in the league. He's, you know, on the cusp of being just good enough to be in the league. But you got Harry on there, Wynn, Devlin, you know, Goskowski. There's four guys that, like, you could look at and think about bringing back potentially, but you know, who do you go with? I think when probably gets one of those spots, if he gets healthy, just because of how shaky the offensive line has been. And then just obviously positional value, you know, your left tackle is way more important than a fullback or a kicker. But, you know, what about that other spot? If you have all these guys coming back in, you know, right around the same time, you know, which way do you go? Yeah, it starts with win. And then the rest is just wait and see. And I don't think there's any dispute about the win thing or, or the win status. I mean, he, is expected to be ready, I think, at, at, at some point in the second half of the season. And then, like you said, if it is potentially Gostowski and whoever they sign, and as of this recording, they haven't signed anybody, so we're still guessing along with our our listeners and you guys here, but whoever they sign, if, that, if this turns into a Bears situation from last season, and all of a sudden you have no confidence in whoever you're trotting out there, and Gostowski is eligible to come back, it's probably going to go to him over anyone else. I mean, I think Nikhil Harry is next in line, but how much can you actually rely upon? I mean, we've, we don't need to go down this road uh, as much as we have in the past, but how much can you rely upon a guy who, a rookie receiver who has just missed 10 plus weeks of practice uh, and come off into live action, pick up on the game plans without knowing the foundation of the offense and earn Tom Brady's trust. So I, I think, again, if Gostowski is ready, he might have that slot over Nikhil Harry if they need another kicker. And James Devlin, look, I don't think the team has a lot of confidence that he is going to be coming off injured reserve in 2019. So you kind of just push him down to the bottom of that pecking order, and then you see what you need two months from now in terms of what helps you win a Super Bowl in 2019. You know, Nikhil Harry, who is he going to help you win a Super Bowl over a healthy kicker? You know, probably not. You're probably going to need that kicker. But if it's all equal and your kicker's in good shape, whoever you bring in, or, you know, your wide receivers are in good standing in terms of their health and Josh Gordon is continuing to have a good season, then again, maybe you don't need a Nikhil Harry and you go with Gostowski. But again, we're, we're sort of just guessing as to Gostowski's availability for down the road. Yeah, two two things here. First, like the fact that we're talking about James Devlin maybe not being ready to come back is just crazy with how that story kind of evolved as it went along. Because it started out like he'll be fine, it's no big deal, and then it was like, well, they put him on injured reserve because the timetable's murky, and now it's like, well, who knows? So, 
that's just interesting in and of itself. But then also like you bring back Goskowski and then you're out of protection for Josh Gordon, which is a scary position to be in just because nobody knows, you know, when those demons are going to bite back. Hopefully they don't. And he keeps them at bay and everything's fine. But the way they built this roster, like it's like very quickly thinned out a wide receiver. You had Demarius Thomas, Cam Meredith, Gordon, Harry, and then they brought in Antonio Brown. And like, these are kind of like, you know, all kind of scratch tickets and you're hoping they hit. And suddenly, you know, Thomas is traded. Meredith gets cut off pup, which is crazy. Like they must've just, you know, determined that knee is just not ever going to get better because, you know, what's the harm in leaving him on pup? Like something must've happened to lead to that decision. Gordon's still out there. Harry's on IR. If you bring back Goskowski, his season's over. And then, you know, Antonio Brown had the most chaotic 11 days in NFL history. So it's a very, very, you know, I'll, yeah, it's scary. It's just a scary proposition to have nothing behind. You know, if Gordon disappears, then like, what do you do at wide receiver? Yeah, that's a that's a really good way to look at it. I mean, I hadn't really considered that angle or the protection angle for Josh Gordon uh, if the sustainability doesn't quite exist. And again, if that's we're continuing to operate under the assumption that Gostowski would become healthy enough to return yeah. from IR. And yeah, he might be done. We have no idea. He, exactly. If he's done, this whole conversation's moot. And, you know, we're sitting here like Jay Gruden. We just don't have a plan for, I guess, this, <laughs> the, the start of the show. Uh, but we're, we're just trying to work through it here. And it's, uh, it's I mean, it's kind of crazy because this is the first time in, in almost a decade that Gostowski is... I shouldn't say, I mean, kickers, how often do kickers actually go on IR? So I guess this is, um, you know, I'm just thinking back to that Shane Graham year when Graham came in and, and did a nice job in Gostowski's absence. And they could be perfectly fine. Who knows? I mean, kickers are basically like relief pitchers in baseball. You can you can trade for a great reliever at the trade deadline in baseball, and all of a sudden the guy just turns into a basket case or can't throw strikes or just... I mean, it's just it's a finicky position where you can go from hot to cold in the snap of a finger or vice versa. And it's just there's just no way of knowing what in the world is going to happen uh, over the final three months of the regular season and then into the playoffs with the kicker position. And that's a scary thing, because, again, we've seen teams and their seasons come to an end. We saw Billy Cundiff. Uh, blow a kick in New England in the AFC Championship game. I mean, these things, there's there's always one team that blows it because of its kicker. And y- you would hate to see it if you're Bill Belichick. You've got this team that is loaded. And, you know, you don't want to be wavering with how good your kicking operation is going to be. I mean, shoot, there, there's that great story from, I hope I don't screw up the Super Bowl. It was either 38 or 39. I think it was Super Bowl 38 against Carolina when their long snapper oh gosh I can't even think of the long snapper's name but it was like your second or third string long snapper because Lonnie Paxton was down for the year and this guy couldn't even snap to Ken Walter like he couldn't even get the ball to his holder with any confidence I mean they're going down the side they're going down the field for a game-winning kick and they're looking you know you got guys on the sideline looking back at the long snapper who's literally snapping the ball into the net and I think he missed one of them and they're just like the guys on the sideline are like, we're trying to win a Super Bowl here, and this guy can't even snap the ball through his legs. I mean, he's spending nights at the hotel room snapping balls into uh, 
like his, I think it was his mattress, just trying to get himself right. And then I think it was the day of the game when he cut his hand on a butter knife at the breakfast buffet. So look, some weird stuff can happen when you are secluded to that three-man specialist operation and the Patriots are immersing themselves into a, a great unknown relative to their consistency with the kicking operation that they've had from Adam Vinatieri to Steven Gostowski for going on two plus decades. So you're talking about like the playoffs and like judging from some of the reaction reaction, you know, on Twitter and in some other places, like it, I thought this, the season was over because they, you know, didn't destroy the bills. So, <laughs> I mean, you're making quite a leap here. Well, the, the weird, I mean, I know they're four and but, uh, the BCS voters are killing them, so they're not. They might not even be ranked at this point. And I mean, it, it would be it'd be a damn shame to go sixteen and zero and miss the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. But I mean, you know, you got to be in that top four, and if you aren't, and you know, you're playing the schedule, and you're a one double A team, it's just the way it goes, man. So you know, they they gotta they gotta start winning games by more than a couple points if they want to get in there. It's like, you know, when you start a dynasty in the old NCAA football game and you start it with UMass or, or whoever you would start it with and you'd run the table, but your, your strength of victory wasn't good enough and you just, you know, you didn't get your shot, but you were always looking toward that next year because you're going to compile a dynamite recruiting class and then you're going to, then, you know what, it's not year one, it's about year two. So we know the Patriots are starting from scratch. The history of everything they've accomplished doesn't really mean a whole lot with this 4 nothing record, 4-0 uh, record, but... You know, let's kind of spin it forward in the second half of this show here. The Redskins are, I mean, I don't, have they won a game since Mark Rippon was their quarterback? It's just <laughs> this team is such, they're consistently awful under this ownership group with Dan Snyder. And, you know, you hear Jay Gruden. And, I mean, I saw Dan Doggin, our Giants writer, say that tweet that Jay Gruden has done everything shy of basically attaching this, the Lombardi trophies to the back of his car and doing donuts in the Redskins parking lot. I mean, when he says that he doesn't have a plan at quarterback, we know that he's being facetious. But what is going on down there? I mean, this is another game that the Patriots should win and they should win easily. Uh, the Redskins defense is, I mean, we, Nick and I were talking about this, it's, you know, talking to the listeners here. We were talking about this the other day. The, the Buffalo Bills have what could legitimately be the third best defense in the NFL right now. And with the way the Patriots and Bears are playing, there's not a lot of shame in being the third best defense. The, the two best teams, whether you think it's the Patriots or the Bears, defensively anyway, uh, they have set a high bar. The Redskins, uh, that bar is pretty low. So uh, this is a game where the Patriots should go out and they can go for, they don't even need to sign a kicker. I mean, they've got the, they're going to need to use that extra roster spot, I guess, on Ben Watson. They could go into this game with 53 and no kickers and just go for two all the time. <laughs> and not really worry about it because they're going to trounce that team down in D.C. Yeah, I mean, look, the, outside of the, the rematch against Buffalo, they probably aren't going to play a defense this good again unless they make it to the Super Bowl. Like, I, I don't really see another team that's as, you know, you, you got the Saints in the NFC, the Bears in the NFC. Like, who in the AFC, like, is this, or, yeah, is this stout? So it's going to be quite a while before they get tested like this again in you know, I, I just don't think it's a huge deal. Yeah, their last probably like 18 or 19 drives going back to, you know, after the fast start in week three wasn't great, but they got at least three more weeks to kind of figure out what's going on on offense. You had Antonio Brown come in and go out. There's a little disruption there. This is the first game after that against 
you know, one of the best defenses in the league. And now you got the the, uh, the Redskins, the Jets, and the Giants. And you can kind of be a little bit shaky in those games and, and have some things you're working through and still be trying to form your identity a little bit and figure out who you are. And then they play the Browns, and they might have to do some stuff on offense in that game, but probably not a huge need if the defense shows up again. I kind of feel like this defense is going to do a pretty good job of of you know throwing some uh, – kinks into the Browns offense and then after that it's it's Baltimore so I mean you got a little bit of a stretch here to figure things out you know I I think these before this this Bills game the offense was pretty solid yeah one of those games like I said helped by Antonio Brown but they're gonna figure it out they're gonna get going I don't think we're even seeing you know Josh Gordon you know his full capacity yet it looks like he's still kind of working up to that and within that you know he's had some really really good plays and impressive moments but it's just kind of getting that consistency a little bit. And, you know, the run game isn't going yet. And that it might be a while before they do get that going the way they want to. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know, bringing in some new guys, new house, you know, on the fly, that creates some issues. And, and there's got to just be a settling down period. And if it looks terrible going into that Browns game, then maybe I'll start to be a little bit worried. But right now it's just, you know, let it go. Let the defense kill everybody and let the offense figure it out as they go along. Yeah, and you know what? People talk about style points. That's for some... Well, when you're the Patriots, you don't... There's not a whole lot of drama or, or, you know, the measuring stick in the regular season. What's it really worth? So I think that's why style points become such a hot topic during the regular season because everything they do is really just a long build toward the postseason. But (laughs) people are complaining or, or the critics will say, oh, well, who have they shut down? Who have they beaten? I mean, they've thoroughly dominated four teams so far uh, with their defense. And we're not that far removed from that 2009 to 13 era where the defense gave up a pile of yards and, you know, sometimes a pile of points. And this team right now is, is suffocating teams. And offensively, yeah, that's where the question marks are, especially, you know, if you get have if you have some recency bias with that Bills game. But the Redskins have a lousy defense. The Giants have a lousy defense. And you know what? They could the Giants could come in and, and potentially score some points. I mean, Daniel Jones is is playing well. So do I expect a rookie quarterback on a short week to go up and light uh, to go out and light up this Patriots defense? No, not at all. But then you look at that Jets defense. I mean, that's let's say they're healthier. The Jets are on that Monday night game in New Jersey. You know, their their defense is going to give you a few more problems than you had in the first matchup of the season. But then even Cleveland, I mean, that team has all the talent in the world and and they are playing better now than the first time we saw them earlier in the season, but you know, they still remind me of more of a playground offense. So how sustainable is that? Or, or who knows, maybe that helps them because there were times when uh, Josh Allen in that, or I guess the, the only time when they got into the end zone, it looked sort of like a playground offense, but you know, is that sustainable? That Baltimore game that you mentioned, Baltimore's defense is this season not the Baltimore defense that we're accustomed to seeing. I mean, they lost a lot of players in free agency, and you look at the points and yards allowed so far, and that defense has a lot of work to do. So even that one, I mean, the Patriots are going to have a long time to to work out some of this stuff offensively. Uh, you mentioned Newhouse, and you know he's had some struggles here and there. I, I'm, I wouldn't call him a liability just because you know he comes in on the fly. Not that you did. I'm not talking to you. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Uh, And then 
a big part of the Patriots running game is how they pull their linemen. And I wonder if when you have these moving parts or you lose some starters and you're not able to pull their line, uh, maybe there's a chemistry issue. And you know, we talk about Brady and the receivers. Is that the same thing with the linemen and them pulling to the spots that they need to get to? Uh, or maybe uh, a new house isn't as athletic as Isaiah Wynn or Ted Karras. I mean, I think Ted Karras is having a perfectly fine season, but maybe he's not as athletic as David Andrews, who's an outstanding pulling center. So maybe some of that is coming into play with why they haven't been able to spring Sony Michelle as consistently as they did a year ago, especially in the playoffs. So uh, these are sort of all my rambling thoughts there. Yeah, no question. I, I don't know if Newhouse is good or bad at this point. It's pretty unfair to evaluate a guy. I mean, I think, like, I, I was just trying to say, like, we need to give them a little bit of time for that line to coalesce. And there is a, you know, there's chemistry, communication, you know, adjustments to protections. You know, when Brady's out there repointing the mic, you know, there's just a lot of things that you got to get used to on the offensive line playing alongside one another. And I don't think a couple of weeks is really a fair period of evaluation. I know that people are used to seeing Scar work miracles overnight and never having, you know, soft spots on the offensive line, so to speak. But right now there there are a couple. And I think it's just we, we just got to give them a few weeks to see how that all comes together. And then maybe the running game gets going and some other things open up off of that. You know, I don't think their screen game has been as consistent as it has been you know, for many, many years, that, that's been a major part of this offense. And I think, you know, there's a handful of plays I can think of right off the top of my head. And I'm sure if we went through and looked more, that there's probably other ones where it, they've just kind of left some yards out there. And, you know, those are just areas where I think that everybody just needs a little bit more time to get on the same page. And, you know, I'm going to set that, that line at that Browns game. Anything that happens before then, I'm just going to kind of whistle past it because I just think it's too early to kind of figure out what's going on with this offense just because there has been so much change over these first four weeks. Like it's, they didn't come into the season set and like working forward. It's like they're losing and rebuilding, you know, in different areas on the fly. And it's just unfair to the panic, especially after playing the Buffalo bills. Like they were bad against the bills last year. Brady had, you know, a, a tough game against them last year. And then the second game was a little better, but it wasn't great. It's just, this is a very, very good team that knows how to give the Patriots issues. They gave them issues and they're going to move on and, and they're going to be fine. Yeah. And you mentioned Skarnecki is miracles on the offensive line. Uh, the vast majority of those, especially in the early stages of implementing a new player are on the interior spots. I mean, how many mm-hmm. times has he ever really needed to, and to do it with a left tackle. And when it has been a left tackle, it's been with a high draft pick. I mean, you got a guy like Marshall Newhouse who was on his eighth NFL team and signed uh, four days before his first start down in Miami at right tackle, and then gets moved to left tackle in the second or third offensive series, uh, down when it was a 102-degree heat index. So, I mean, the learning curve there is astronomical. And uh, I think I think I'm all talked out. You got anything left in you? What do you think the impact for of Ben Watson will be if he if he comes back? Yeah, it's a good question because. I think he started off really strong in the offseason. I think there might have been a bit of a tapering off later in training camp. Uh, but if he can be a consistent blocker, I mean, he's probably going to be a guy who can command somewhere between 60 and 75% of the, the snaps at tight ends. I, I've liked 
what Matt Lacoste and Ryan Izzo have given them as blockers. I wouldn't say they've been dominant, but I think that the effort is there, and I've liked that. But if a guy like Ben Watson can come in and be an impact blocker, then that's going to give you a whole lot more. And then, I mean, you need some consistency as a pass catcher too because uh, you just haven't seen it from Ryan Izzo and Matt Lacoste. And I think Lacoste has clearly still got to be banged up. Ryan Izzo is a work in progress as a pass-catching tight end, or at least in the pass-catching element of his game. So again, you get a veteran presence. If he's able to come back and look like himself, or even 80% of what we saw last year, uh, then it's still an improvement over what you've seen in the first month of the season. Yeah, I think he'll be an improvement over them. I, I don't know like if he's changes the offense tremendously or anything, but I do think he's he's savvy enough to make himself friendly over the middle and zones and things like that. You know, I think he, he's he's probably someone that Brady would at least look to and possibly throw a pass to him if there was somebody in coverage, whereas I don't really think he's throwing a pass to Ryan Izzo with tight coverage on him and, you know, hoping he makes a play. So I think those things will help. His blocking in New Orleans last year, was it was fine. Uh, when he was there in 2015, before the Achilles injury, I, I think he was a little bit stronger in that area, but I do think he's he is solid. Uh, just you know, he's 38, so there there is going to be some tailing off there a little bit over time. Uh, you know, during camp, like you said, I, I thought he was pretty good. Some guy named Jeff Howe said he caught 10 to 15 passes from Brady during practices. So, you know that that at least shows some level of trust. His only two catches in the preseason, you know, were wide open plays where he wasn't covered, and then Eric Reed hit him and, and kind of ended his uh, his activity. So. You know, I, I would have felt a little bit more confident about him if, if he had made some more plays during the preseason. But, you know, the summer was good. I, I do think that that he will help a little. It's just, you know, I don't think that it's like, you know, oh, here's the answer. It's just it's a nice piece to get back if he does come back. Yeah, you just want you want somebody at that position to keep defenses honest, even if it's two, yep. even two or three targets a game. You know, you're forcing the defense to at least look at the tight end position. Yeah. And then, you know what, maybe that takes just a little bit of heat off of Julian Edelman or James White and some of the guys who tend to catch most of their passes over the middle of the field. That's all I got. All right, great. That's a great way to wrap it up. This was <laughs> The Razor Show. I'm Jeff Howe. He's Nick Underhill. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>